While the grass often looks greener on the other side, beware, all that glitters isn't gold. Let's get started. And they are going to win! Pierre Gasly wins the Italian Grand Prix! Three cars going wheel to wheel as Perez is caught by Charles Leclerc and his three cars gone off! It's a DNF for MAX! The world championship record is equals. Lewis Hamilton, seven-time champion of the world! That song? Yeah, I recognise uh, that. All that glitters. Is it glitters is not gold. Isn't that gold. is a song. I just thought it was a lot of cliches, you know, wound Whoa, into one. But hey, it could be a song. Could be a song. I think it's yeah. a song. God, yeah, it I must like be it. a song, right? I think it I might be. Anyway, one. interesting. Yes. So, sprint qualifying made its debut at Silverstone. There were three points for Max Verstappen, two for Lewis Hamilton, and a singular point for Valtteri Bottas. And out of the 17 laps, there were multiple tangles and crashes for Sergio Perez, Carlos Sainz, and Nikita Mazepin, as well as seeing Alonso hold up both McLarens uh, for a number of different laps before falling from 5th to 7th. And it's something we haven't really spoken about because of our own summer break, but what were our thoughts about the debut of uh, sprint qualifying in F1 2021? Like a lot of people, I think, I wasn't totally sold when it was um, sort of first mentioned. And I thought, well, you know... We'll see. We'll see how it is. But yeah, I was never sort of like, oh my god, this is going to be amazing because I think that you're all, they they try so hard in F one. I think they are trying at the moment. They oh, we need to appeal to different audiences. Like we need to make people things more exciting. But what they do that by making things more complicated, and they've done it on many occasions where they think they're they're trying to make things more fun or simple, more simple, and they make it more complicated. And we mentioned before when they first announced this that we were saying it is quite difficult for a lot of people because it meant that qualifying in in the sense that we know it was then on the friday and this was quite difficult for people who were at school or at work who couldn't then enjoy it so in a way it was actually making that part less accessible um but then there was a sprint like race on the saturday so they you know it made up for it etc but so not going into it it was already a bit of a not 100 percent um I didn't watch it live, but I made sure that I caught up with it. And to be fair, it was exciting. It was very exciting. But I don't think I want it to stay. I'm happy for it to, you know, have another go. Where is it? Is it Monza? Next one is at Monza. Monza, yeah. I'm happy to see it at Monza. You know, it was interesting. But I don't personally want it to be the way forward because I, I just think at the end of the day, qualifying, like, quickest person, round the track go (laughs) you know i mean like that's what it's about and i think that when you start racing it's not if i think if you were to do if you wanted to do that race it should be like in formula two or formula three where it's a sprint race and then it's a feature race i don't think they should um affect the the outcome of one should affect the other but essentially what this is is qualifying so the outcome of it very much does affect it and it was just like oh and then you know russell was in ninth then he had a penalty and then he, he knocked signs off and then for some reason perez had a random spin and then he qualified last and like but that's not how it should be they should be qualifying in the order at what speed they can go around the track <laughs> or how quickly they can go around the track and that's what qualifying does so like for me personally i think it was exciting i think it was the perfect place to debut it the fact that it was at silverstone in front of all those fans amazing but i'm not it didn't sell me in the sense that i'm like yep this is the way that qualifying should be going forward i thought that's nice but you know let's stick to the classic way what about you guys well so i'm gonna i'm gonna adopt the uh the counter view like many people i think it was actually very good and it was nice to mix it up a little bit i um 
I really enjoyed three days of proper quality content because mm. I don't watch free practices on during the work hours and so I'd you know I'd, I'd sort of look at it oh look and free practice three Hamilton was fastest K I'll put that aside and I don't actually watch it so it was really nice finishing work and going downstairs and sitting down in front of the telly and, and sticking on pre-qualifying qualifying you know <laughs> if you'd like on that on that Friday day what we're gonna call that um sub-qualifying and so that was great and so that really gave me the hit of who can go round the track the fastest? And so that was nice. I'm glad they, they kept that. And then there was that sort of awkward thing at the end when they were like, and that's qu- not qualifying. That's the lineup for tomorrow, which is qualifying, but definitely not a race, but definitely qualifying. And so that I, do, I get what you mean, Liv. It's a little bit weird. Um, and that measurement of going around the track in sort of a one hit thing is is very traditional and i can absolutely see why people love it but something about saturday race qualifying really sort of hit the spot i think for me and i think what it was was the first 10 laps of the silverstone sprint qualifying was i think what i think that it should be i read on reddit someone said that first 10 laps um like yeah the last nine laps nah and and that was really a summary of it for me and i think what it is is i really like the alternative measure uh, alternative metric for who can get around the, the track quickest which is instead of doing a one hit wonder thing where you know it's just the fastest lap time it's sort of a, a sprint to a another finish and so i like that and then again we had on the on the sunday the proper race so to address sort of the sprint qualifying mini race i think one of the corrections that should be taken into account is its time and its length because for me it was way too long it, if they're going to call it a sprint qualifying it's got to be a sprint and i think the real summary also the real example of, of how it was too long was the fact that fernando alonso stormed through the pack in the opening laps and then it went on for so long that the rest of the pack could come back at him and yeah, so he qualified yeah. down so if i was to go back in time and and adjust the rules i would have cut cut it off at, at about lap 10 because at that point fernando alonso fernando alonso would have uh, would have had a great qualifying and that means that it punishes those who make mistakes a bit like normal qualifying does you know if you crash out then that's it that's your qualifying completely over so we have that sort of jeopardy if you like translated over but on the flip side for those who get this incredible start and get do some great overtakes it rewards them more so than if it was the traditional one-shot qualifying because how many times have you seen for example russell qualify in let's say ninth position in q2 and then you go well i know this isn't going to last for q3 and therefore he's back again so i think that many of the arguments you can apply to traditional qualifying can be translated over to uh this qualifying and vice versa so i from my perspective of just wanting more quality content i think it was it was really quite excellent as a as a trial and i look forward to in monza mm. 
Yeah, I, I enjoyed it as well. I thought it was a nice, refreshing way to do qualifying, but I'm kind of in the middle when it comes to the views of you, you both. I kind of think it's good to have, but not every week, maybe, say, one in three race weekends to go and mix it up a bit. Like, let's say, uh, another sporting example would be the international break when it comes to, to football. It's nice to have now and again to mix it up from the domestic leagues, but do you want it every week? Mm, probably not. And I, I kind of think as well that Silverstone, you know, irrespective of the crowd being there, perhaps wasn't the best place to show uh, to uh, showcase what could be, you know, the excellence of uh, sprint qualifying. Because to put plainly, there's not too many places to overtake. It can get bogged down into being quite a sort of dull uh, track and race at times, as we've um, said before and and touched upon. So I think the the true litmus test of the quality of sprint qualifying and how universal it can be will be probably a Monza, you know, the Templar Speed, because there's so many chances to overtake. It's more of a sprint by definition because there's more sort of straights. There's more chances to, you know, go flat out and to, to give it everything as it's designed to do. So I think a combination of a lap production and, you know, favouring towards power circuits, I think, would be good as well. But yes, I do think the qualifying speed of certain cars has to be has to count for something because the danger is, I think we touched upon this uh, a few sort of episodes ago when it was first announced, if you do have spring qualifying, then it always means that you know race pace is going to win out and win out early, which ultimately, yes, it does. But if you take away the quality of uh, or the importance of spring quali uh, qualifying speed, then there's a danger that you're only going to get the same sort of two or three cars that are going to be winning race. And, you know, before we end, I think as well, a, a sort of blinding, obvious change they need to make is having more points. I mean, three points for a winner, two for second, one for third. I mean, that is just pathetic, really. That is really taking the mickey, considering, you know, you've got people risking essentially their race weekend if they're going for that move. Let's say a similar one to Hamilton versus Verstappen at Silverstone. Imagine if that was sprint qualifying. Uh, first of all, if it goes badly wrong, you're going to look like a fool because your race weekend's done. You've got no points. And then again, if you're only going to be doing it to get, you know, two points instead of one or uh, three instead of two, then who's going to be willing to do that because there's so little reward. So that would be the main thing I'd change. Uh, more points for the winners because, hey, granted it's a sprint, so probably not as many points as the actual you know race weekend winner on Sunday, but give it a bit more respect, I'd say. Well, is it, if I said to you, is sprint qualifying now here to stay, what, what would you say? I would say no, if I was a betting man. If I had to choose between yes and no, I'd say no. I I have a funny feeling that this is going to be one of those occasions where the FIA have said, oh yeah, we're going to test it and we're going to trial the uh, the different modes and then you can just put your complaints into this little drawer over there. I think they're going to mm. stick with it, you know. And I think the reason for that is because it, it opens up so many more advertising opportunities Oh, do you know? So, um, did you watch after the after the uh, the sprint qualifying when they were like, "Oh, it's not a race, it's not a race." Now all hail Emperor Max on his chariot yeah. as he they parade <laughs> him through. Well, they it, called him King of the Sprint or something. King of the <laughs> like you know oh, you know it's only a matter of time till it's the Pirelli powered by AWS. Well, um, the race DHL itself. Parade. The race the race itself was called the Crypto. Because it was sponsored by crypto, 
the crypt, crypto British Grand Prix sprint race or something like that. So it's already mm. heading in that direction. <laughs> I know. It, I think it's silly. So from, from but... a money making perspective, it's it's quite good and it acts as kind of an entry point into uh, Formula One. If you don't want to watch a whole race, you can sort of watch the the sprints if you'd like and watch the highlights of the next day so i I have a funny feeling that they're gonna they're gonna put this into the sport now what i think is quite interesting tom was your point when you said that it might not be a permanent fixture and and maybe every other week in fact actually from many of the ideas i've seen that's actually not a bad one it would be quite nice if if like every other one had a had a sprint race Mm. attached to it but again I, I don't know if that would actually work and i don't think the fia would go for something like that I, they don't really like to do sort of every other you know races something different or whatever so i think i think that's actually a bit of a shame because that would be quite a nice hybrid between all the ideas that have been have been thrown out there so far on the sprint quality but at the end of the day i think the what i do like about sprint qualifying is that you do have that primary qualifying on friday which is who can get around the track the fastest so to some extent that mitigates the other problems because if you can get around the track the fastest you can be at the front for a sprint quality which means you know all you need to do is out drag your partner and so if you can't out drag your partner on on sprint qualifying then you're going to run into the same issue the next day so you know on the full race so yeah i I think it actually I think it's an amalgamation of the different qualifying elements and the different race elements to produce something that might actually mix up the grid quite nicely. Because as I say, Fernando Alonso is the, you know, the great example of, of how it can, how sprint qualifying can help the, the, the teams that are at the middle or the back of the grid, especially by the way, if it rains on one of the three days, which it's so irritating. Sometimes it rains on like the Friday or the Sunday, but not the Saturday or whatever. So this just adds the weather in a little bit more as well. So that's just something to think about and the, and the advantage of this. Mm, I do think though, but if they did then make it like every few weeks or every other week, I just think it just makes it more complicated than when they're trying to make it more accessible because it's like new fan, like, oh, am I watching one of those weeks where they qualify like this? Or, or am I watching that week when they qualify like that? Like, I just think that they're trying to overcomplicate it in a fear of becoming boring. But at the end of the day, people watch it currently for a reason. And like, it's been going for so many years for a reason. It's loved for a reason. It's because people like how it is. I don't think it needs this whole uprooting, but I I wouldn't mind it like once or twice a year like it is now. But I don't think I would choose if I, I mean, obviously I don't have any say, <laughs> but I don't think I would want it um, every other week, but yes listeners let us know what you think yeah I, and i kind of think as well having it on sky kind of defeats the purpose of trying to bring people in with a sort of short snappy race yeah. spectacle to go mm. hey this is cool because you're catering to a closed shop who have already bought uh yeah. sky f1 or f1 uh channel at that so they know what they're getting they they want what they're getting because they paid for it so what's the point but um yeah hey the people who have paid already don't need convincing. They've they've paid to watch the main race on the Sunday. Um yeah. it's it's the people who need convincing who haven't don't want to pay for it, but they can't watch the sprint race anyway because it's not accessible on free TV. So what's the point? Well that oh that's a really good point you raise there. If I yeah. was to chuck anything onto YouTube, 
it would be the sprint race, right? Yeah. Make that the free race. The fact of the matter is they put stuff on, on YouTube already. And so if I was the Formula One management team, I'd go, right, you know, this is sprint qualifying. We're doing it every, you know, we're doing it here and there or whatever. We'll chuck this onto YouTube or onto the whatever platform. Or the free the people who sign up to F one TV and have maybe the, 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 the free package, whatever it is, or the cheaper package, mm-hmm. you know, they can watch it live. And so they can introduce people to the sport through what is basically a mini, mini race, even though it, and it doesn't mean yes. anything either because it's it's not the full race. So that would be a really great selling point for for the sprint qualifying saying, well, you know, it's a it, this is the free thing that you can watch Tada! And other companies do this. Um, HBO springs to mind. They put segments of their shows onto YouTube. Uh, for for people to watch, you don't subscribe to to the channel. And at the end of the day, with subscriptions becoming so saturated now, this would be a great way to get people hooked on the sport and bring them into it. Because it makes me so sad that that free TV for Formula One is incredibly limited now. You know, gone are the days when every other race would be free um, with extended highlights on like the BBC or Channel Four. So this maybe is the way forward. For from an accessibility standpoint, if they did that though, but they're not gonna. <laughs> of course, they're not gonna do it. They're gonna miss out on that crypto currency sponsorship. Exactly. Aramco subsidised. Yeah. The Aramco <laughs> Heineken. Please don't drink while you're driving. You know, crypto <laughs> Zoom Zoom thing. Christ, it's it's a bit of a mess now, isn't it? Like, and you can hear it in 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 the um, commentary when they're when yeah then when they're like. Oh, look at these stats powered by AWS. Oh, it's like gosh. watching IndyCar. It's slowly getting closer to IndyCar. Like the funniest thing about watching IndyCar, and it's like literally a, a view on the on the car. So for example, if there's a little camera attached to the car for like a nice, for a cool shot of what the driver sees or whatever, it goes, this camera view is sponsored by every time you see anything on IndyCar. And that, but, and it's horrid. And that's like genuinely slowly what it's coming yeah. towards. And it's, I laugh, but like it might end up the same for us. It's like, it's like, sure, this apex really makes me fancy a Heineken. Yeah. <laughs> it's, but oh, it's man. funny because it's like true. <laughs> like it could yeah. happen. Yeah. That's the horrible part about it. But um, it, you're right that it, it does present an opportunity, Tristan. But as we've just covered, like it, they won't build on it in that same way. They'll build on it in the how can we get more money way, not can, how can we attract more fans. But they're covering with the, oh, yes, we're doing this to attract more fans. But we all, we've explained completely why that doesn't help. The best thing that can, has it, that's happened in like recent years to attract more fans is Drive to Survive. And like we've covered that so many times. Yeah. It's been incredible for, for the sport. And so like obviously that was genius and they should, they should keep it up. And so that's why we don't mind the occasional fabrication of storylines or, or or quotes in drive to survive because you know it's made a real impact on the on the on the sport but yeah this... drive to survive is a hell of a lot cheaper to watch than than exactly. formula one is i mean it's exactly. just yep. crazy money to, to yep. do it now exactly. but you know i think we should come back to sprints in after monza and then finally reserve our final judgment for um brazil where i think they've announced the last one is yes. going to be because by that point we'll have three very different tracks at three di- very different stages in the season and you know i'm hoping yeah that it that actually sprint shows itself to be a an advancement of qualifying because hey more formula one content is okay in my books 
So after William's successful venture in Hungary where Nicholas Latifi finished 7th and George Russell was in 8th, there's been a very interesting remark from the new team principal of Williams, Jose Capetito, who said that the team is now in a luxury position of being able to choose who they want to drive for them in 2022 and they don't need to worry specifically about income, i.e. they're no longer in a position where they need Pastel Maldonado or uh, Lance Stroll or anyone, anyone like that who um, brings in a lot of cash but not so much driver ability. And this is very interesting when you consider that Nicholas Atifi is a very wealthy man alongside um, George Russell. He's bringing in a lot of commercial um, sponsorship for uh, Williams and Awareness. They're both out of contract for next year. So, um, you see many people like Bottas being linked to that seat. You've seen um, uh, Daniel Kvyat, uh, Daniel Kvyat as well, as well as um, Nico Hulkenberg. So, what do we make of those comments, and what do we think about the lineup for Williams in next season? Do we think they're going to go for uh, quality over income, or what do we think? I think that, like, obviously, we're talking under the impression that George is going to Mercedes. It it seems almost done now in in the sense that you know everyone sees it as happening the way he's acting as a person it's happening you know when he's asked about it, he smiles and laughs like that's not a man that's stressed about where he's going to be next year that's a very very relaxed person um so i it's almost in my opinion that's the deal's been done in a way um and i look forward to when it's announced it's going to be really really i'm um, exciting and i'm really really happy for him but um we shall see. Obviously, it's not actually official, but that it feels that way to us. Um, so if we if we're presuming that, then obviously you've got that spare seat there, and you've got um, Nicholas Satifi, and although, so you mentioned like they're no longer in 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 need of a of a pay driver. I I honestly don't know if they would get rid of Nicholas Satifi. He he's not. I think he is often unfairly criticised, and I think that. Obviously, he's proved. Like, then I quite like the fact that their first point scoring um, race in forever, he scored higher than George did. I quite like that because it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, they both scored. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the main point. George is probably going to have a fantastic drive in Mercedes next year, winning races. Blah 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 blah. How good was it that 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 he got that the TV got to score more? It meant it meant something and it proved something. And I think a lot of people took back some comments about him. He 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 didn't just like glide there either he didn't just sit in his car and avoid the chaos he d- he drove very very well and i think that they genuinely really really like him at williams and he fits the the way they are this they're, they're very wholesome aren't they they're family they're like a family and they do seem to genuinely get on really well and i think i personally don't don't actually see him going he was very strong in f2 he's driven quite well he's driven consistently this year and you know he's had some issues (laughs) i'm not saying he's fantastic he's not i'm not saying he's the best driver on the grid but i'm not sure at the moment if it's worth getting rid of getting rid of him especially when you're losing george because if you are getting rid of george well getting rid of him (laughs) if george is being promoted then you you don't really want two new drivers to the team it's it would be good to have someone that's got some history with the team he would have been there two years at this point um and he, he, you know, he knows the team well. He understands the car. So, in my opinion, he he should stay. And then, for the other seat, I'm I'm quite invested in the idea of Nick De Vries uh, returning from Formula E. Mm. Um, Nick, Nick De Vries is someone that was wrongly 
denied an F1 seat um, after after winning the Formula 2 championship. Just like Callum Eilott, who last year, who came second in the Formula 2 championship and now has no seat in Formula 1, Formula 2 or anything similar. I think he's doing some endurance racing at the moment. But Nick DeVries is a very, very good driver. He he actually raced in the same um, category at the same time as Nicholas Latifi, so they would know each other well. And I think that Nick DeVries has proven himself in Formula E. Um, Mercedes in Formula E are so strong. The, the the thing about about Formula E is obviously that the way that it works with qualifying and the way the races work is that there's no absolute outstanding leader like there is in Formula One. But even without that opportunity, the Mercedes team there are are very very good. And it's down to Nick DeVries and it's down to Stoffel van Dorn. I don't see Stoffel van Dorn going into back to Formula One. He's had his go. Um, mm. But I think that Nick is a very, very strong contender. He's young. He's, you know, he gets on. He knows Nicholas Satifi. He is proving himself right now. Like, he hasn't stopped these past two years, you know. He's been racing and he's been racing well. So, and of course, Mercedes is still linked with Williams and he's he works for Mercedes. You know, they all link together. It's well it's well suited. So, mm-hmm. for me, that's the two. I, I'm, I'm seeing Latifi alongside Nick DeVries and I think that that'll be a really great team. I reserve your judgment, Liv, on, on which Formula 2 or, or um, other drivers should be brought back into Williams. You are far more knowledgeable on them than I. But I, I do have a soft spot for Callum Milo. I felt a bit sorry for him, actually, that he, he did so well moving up in the formulas. And it's mm. just so difficult as well. Even getting from Formula 3 to Formula 2 is difficult. Entering, you know, from karting to... GB3, whatever they're calling it this week. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's all a challenge. And to sort of fall at the last hurdle when you when you think, yeah, I've probably proven myself is is really heartbreaking. So I, I do hope he gets something at some point. I mean, Nicholas Latifi, I mean, we can't count him as being a poor driver. I mean, he was the 2019 Formula 2 uh, runner-up, um, I think. And yeah, to, so, Nick, to Nick DeVries. Nick DeVries won and he came second. So... so yeah. that, we are talking about a driver in in Nicholas TV that is is competent and definitely better than well, any of us. You know, even getting into the even Formula One and at any level is makes you a cert, uh, of a certain ability, which is interesting how Mazepin got there. Anyway, mm-hmm. I digress. Um, <laughs> so it was great to see him have a little bit of good luck and Russell as well have a little bit of good luck as well. But it, you know, when all eyes have been on Mister Saturday for the entire season and you. You watch everyone getting hyped up about Mercedes wanting your teammate. To have a little win, I think sometimes is just all you need to 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 get your head straight and be reminded that, yeah, there's a reason why you're here and being brought in. Money. Um, so <laughs> it, it's quite nice that he, he did so well in the in the race. And Russell as well, I was I was I was sitting there with my fingers crossed thinking, come on, at this point, it's either going to be a tyre failure, an engine failure, or a suspension yeah. <laughs> failure. Don't let me down now. So it seems like the curse of the Bottas has been sort of lifted on Russell a little bit, and he's got himself some good luck. So I, I think that the um, team principal of Williams is right. Now that they've had new investment from the conglomerate, hopefully they can pick themselves up and... But now be in a position where they're going to get way more money because being not last brings in 
millions and millions of dollars of, of, of revenue for them. So that would be so nice to see Williams and that name back up in the in just the middle of the pack. I'll, I'll, I'll happily have them sitting next to Alpine fighting for fifth or something that that would be mm. fine so I, I would love them to be in that sort of position and I think this is the optimum time for them to take a look at their current car and their current lineup of drivers and say right well next year it's a fresh start we've got a new completely new design of car so it's going to be a level playing field no one knows which engine manufacturer is going to be on top no one knows which aero design is going to be best so yeah. you know a bit like how this year McLaren rolled out with a slightly better underfloor and, and all, well, huh, all hell broke loose or or, or um, Red Bull could capitalise on the new aerodynamic changes for this year. Next year is a sort of a, a souped up version of that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really optimistic for, for Williams going going forward. And I think Russell's out there. Absolutely. He's on his way to, to Mercedes being promoted, if you'd like, as you said live but yeah i think um, latifi could be a really useful asset to the team having developed the car for the last couple of years with them and knows how the the team functions and, and works properly so you know he i hope he does stay there for a bit and i think he's proven his worth actually this year because he has contributed to them getting way more money in prize um funds which is pretty good and he brings in some sponsorship as well and as much as they might like to say that that doesn't matter to them you know money talks when you're talking about mm. formula one yeah absolutely i think you know the regulation changes coming in is a huge opportunity and if we're thinking i think the majority of formula one is thinking that george russell will be off i think they do need to replace him and maybe latifi with some experienced heads in terms of f1 craft i mean Looking at how well Alonso was able to do or is doing at the moment with Alpine after, you know, having to hit the ground running literally after an injury makes you think how valuable an experienced head could be uh, driving one of those Williams car. And I'm not thinking, you know, hey, let's go and get someone who's 40 years old, Kimi Raikkonen, fancy it, mate. But um, someone like uh, Nico Hulkenberg, who's currently the uh, Aston Martin reserve driver. So there is that sort of tenuous Mercedes link there already. I think it'd be a great asset to be brought in uh, for Williams because he's still very much up in his prime. We saw when he was able to jump into that racing point car uh, last season how well he did. Um, think how well he could do if he was given... Uh, an opportunity in, in the full form of a season to go and um, sort of lead a, a renewed Williams car uh, moving forwards, which now is, you know, able to perhaps hopefully fight with more of the midfield team now that there's been, you know, new structure to commercial rights income as well as the um, the, the Formula One cost cap, of course, uh, on top of the Drilton Capital uh, investment coming in. I think, yeah, it's one of those where you don't want to be ruthless for the sake of ruthless and say right let's go and clean the board and go again completely but if you're going to lose someone like George Russell who'd been you know such an experienced head and you know dragging what is a very average um, Williams car or kicking and screaming up through uh, the points in terms of qualifying at least then you need to replace him with a, a like for like and you know it's very difficult to come across a driver who's going to be able to do what he did sure but you need to go and think to yourself um, 
Nico, Nico Hulkenberg's free. Um, there's other ones available. You know, I, I, I don't think that Bottas would be willing to go down um, to Williams. Someone of his ilk as well, of his experience, shouldn't be overlooked. Um, I'm not too sure about Daniel Kvyat. He's currently the reserve driver of Alpine, but I'm not too sure if he's in the same caliber as uh, Nico or, or Bottas. But looking for someone with experience, I think, will be key to how Williams do um, for next season at least. Well, you, you mentioned Bottas as an interesting shout. And I mean, again, if I was Williams, you might well bring him in and say, look, this is what we're going to be doing next year. You've got a history with the team and mm. we could do with someone who's quite fast. And there aren't many people who can out-qualify Lewis Hamilton and Bottas does fall into that category. I've always felt it's a bit of a shame, Mr. Bay's standing next to Lewis Hamilton because the shadow from from his teammate is, is almighty. So... Yeah, and it's easy to forget that the man is quite fast, and I think it might be nice for him to to help develop a team a little bit more. Who knows? At the end of the day, it's working quite well for Aston Martin having Vettel there to teach Stroll a few things. Mm. So Bottas might be an asset, but you're right. I think that that they do have a lot of options out there, and I don't think though that Nico Hulkenberg is coming back into the sport. Um. I think Alex Albon's got more of a chance, to be honest. Oof. Really? <laughs> I think... I I don't think that Alex is either, but that's a whole different point, which is so sad. But um, um, it's, anyway, I, I think that if Bottas... Well, he's looking like he is getting removed. He may go potentially to Williams, obviously, because he has that link. But if he's looking for... I mean, I was going to say less of a drop. Not really. That's it's basically the same. But I, he could potentially go to Alfa Romeo. That's what because, I've heard. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that Kimi, he's got to go soon. Come on. <laughs> um, yeah. it, 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 they may, but then I want Callum Eilat to go there. So obviously, I'm not like loving that idea. But either way, I mean, I think there's obviously if we ignore like, oh, who we want to go where. Let's say there's probably going to be a gap at Alfa Romeo. There's probably going to be a one maybe two but probably one gap at Williams sort of thing mm. where is Bottas going to go he's obviously going to go to one of the, you know the best team possible because of, otherwise like that drop is going to be ridiculous from where he's been but yeah. I don't know I, I'm, I'm not seeing Bottas going to Williams personally but um, and on a whole separate note which is like we won't go into it but I personally if I was Bottas I'm stopping now why yep. why you would leave mercedes and then stay and go to a rubbish team absolutely not leave on a high i mean it's hardly a high let's face it but it's you know he's leaving on it in a very 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 good car being able to challenge for imagine how depressing it's going to be when he can't challenge for points when he yeah. uh, for me if i'm bottas i'm leaving i'm leaving my mercedes c and i'm leaving f1 maybe go to indycar you know it's people people more and more people are looking like going to indycar um so why the hell not? You know, if you want to still race, but I think for me that's that's it for Bottas. But yeah, McLaren's that's a whole different got a load, load of investment with Arrow now. Yeah, um, and Hulkenberg. Yeah, sorry. I was gonna say, is it something like seventy-five percent now investment into the Arrow team? That they had some crazy liveries as well the the, the week ago. They had like a green stripe and a blue, uh, sorry, and an orange stripey one. Looks very cool. But yeah, India Car is quite a good shout. And but you know, to some extent, it might start becoming the graveyard for the forgotten F1 drivers of old. I think I think it used to be, but I, I generally think it, it's actually... 
I'm gonna say getting better. I think it's less, becoming less and less like that. I mean, you've got people like Albon and Hulkenberg being rumored to go there, go there. You've got people like Christian Lungard from from Formula Two being rumored to potentially go there. And I think that obviously Grosjean's making such a big impact. And the best Grosjean's a really great advertisement for it because he is someone that was struggling in Formula One and is generally fighting for for wins and like. That's that's so appealing for so many of these drivers that have been so close but not quite close enough, like Alex Albon. So I I don't know. It's interesting. But then also they do have shambles of races like they did at the Music City GP in Nashville the other day, and then you were reminded why <laughs> we watch F one and not so much IndyCar. <laughs> you didn't enjoy the uh, purpose built track through the the mall. I didn't enjoy Mar- I didn't enjoy Marcus <laughs> Ericsson crashing into the back of someone flying halfway through the air damaging his wing and then winning the race ah, because of, uh, i'm sorry that, like because like that that you should when when you have damage like that you know that should, your mistake should put you out of the race he won the entire race because there was something like nine nine yellow flags including two reds in there or something like that come on like come on i like indycar but not that one they're going to indianapolis this weekend though so maybe it'll be better and so ends episode 16 of F1 in Review. Thank you very much, dear listener, for listening to the end of another episode. Uh, we'll be back next week to discuss all the latest news, topics and happenings of the world of F1 and beyond and talk a bit more about Alpine and what their drivers can do for the remainder of this season and 2022. Until next time, thank you very much for listening. Thank you.